continue our study through the book of Luke this morning. I appreciate everyone's uh, faithful attendance today and hope that you've been praying and looking forward to a brand new week for the Lord. And um, we see here a couple of things. We see Jesus' dedication at the temple in Jerusalem. And so if you think about where they, this, uh, this family is now located, they uh, had just come from Bethlehem where Mary gave birth to the Lord Jesus and now they had come into Jerusalem a short uh, walk away. And here Jesus is dedicated at the temple and, and really the temple was, was central, wasn't it, to the, to the worship and central really to the, uh, to the nation's identity. And so here they come to the temple. This was the place where, where, where really God met with His people. This was a place where the law really met grace through the, the, the picture of the sacrifices there. And this was a place of worship and the place where uh, even national festivities really took place. And so this was a very important place in the Bible. And no doubt as we go through and follow Jesus on his journey here through the book of Luke, we're going to see him come to Jerusalem over and over again. And so here in obedience to the law, Mary and Joseph takes the, the child Jesus to the temple uh, for the ceremonies of dedication and then for Mary the ceremony of purification. And so this was really important. Um, as Luke wanted to emphasize that really Jesus was born under the law, right? The law was not the way to salvation. Really, the law's intention, as you read through all of the different laws given by God through Moses, the law's intention was to be a schoolmaster to teach us really that we fall short, that, that there's no way that we can, um, we can fulfill and accomplish that. And yet the Lord Jesus was the one to come and, and not destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it. And so there he was. The, 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 he was circumcised the eighth day as it was uh, given. The circumcision was really a covenant sign between Abraham and his seed and God. And so here, uh, in obedience to that, uh, Mary and Joseph are bringing the child Jesus to be circumcised the eighth day. And, and on this occasion, we read that he was given his human name, Jesus, which was separately foretold through Mary and, and then to Joseph. And in Jesus, the name simply means this, Jehovah is salvation. And I think we already learned as we have uh, looked extensively through the birth of Christ that, that the, the reason we can rejoice at Jesus' coming was because a, a Savior was born. And through Him, we understand that we can be saved, we can gain salvation through Christ alone. And so here the salvation is, uh, is given through Christ. He presents Himself really uh, for circumcision. And the, the law required other things too. At this point, some, uh, some duties through the ceremonies were in connection to the birth of a child. There was a price of five shekels that we see in Numbers chapter 18 that's, that was really required 31 days after the birth. This was really for the redeeming of the child. And yet we know that Jesus himself didn't need redeeming. He came to be the redemption, uh, the, the redemption for mankind. And so right here then, we see that Mary comes to be purified as well, according to the law. And usually this was done 41 days after the birth. And so here they offer, as we read in Scripture here, a pair of turtle doves of, or two young pigeons, which means this, it really just signified again for us the, the kind of status that Mary and Joseph were at. See, normally uh, they would offer a lamb, and yet here they could only offer a pair of turtle doves and young pigeons, which mean th really means this simply, they were poor. 
They couldn't afford the lamb. And yet, you think about that, they had not only uh, a lamb, they had the lamb. The lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And there they were again. And and no doubt, this was a a busy time in the temple. It was a busy time as it always seemed to be in Jerusalem. It was a major city of the nation. And so, there were a lot of people coming and going. And and, and we know later on, even Jesus, uh, who cleansed the temple, understood that there was business going around the temple that uh, wasn't, wasn't, um, wasn't something that was right, but it just, just signified again for us how busy Jerusalem was. There was a lot of activity. There was a lot of things going and happening. And yet in the midst of all of that, the Savior was there. In the midst of all of the busyness of the city, in the midst of all of that, there were in the midst of all of the, the population that was doing what they were just doing, the Lord Jesus was there. And here we pick up the story. There were two that out of all of those that were around, uh, two that really intended to seek and were sensitive to the Lord Jesus. And you know, I, I think about a day like today. A Sunday can, uh, can often be a busy day for many of us. We come to church and Whilst we don't have Sunday school, normally we do, starting next week, and normally our teachers would come early, prepare their classrooms, and uh, as, a, as part of that, you're preparing through the week, and you're busy with your normal lives generally. We live in Sydney, and so you're putting up with the traffic. And, and in the midst of the busyness and, and even religious busyness, we can fail to seek the one that we're meant to seek. We can fail to... Uh, to recognize that in the midst of all of that, actually the one that we should be paying attention to is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there were many people around Jerusalem in this time. And, 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 you know, Mary and Joseph were there too, but they had, a special, uh, they had a special reason to be there. They had the Lord Jesus. And yet there were others around, apart from these two that we'll focus on, who really at that point knew and understood somewhat from Scripture that a Messiah was to come, and yet not many were seeking after Christ. Not many were seeking after the one that, that Scripture speaks about as that's going to be the Savior of the world. And, and yet, you know, in, in our day today, and even on a, on a Sunday like today where, where our intent is to worship, our intent is to be here our, and, and to be fed from the Word of God, we can also be negligent and even neglectful of the fact that today is really about seeking Christ. That, that, you know, as we enter into a new year, really it's all about seeking who He is. And, and you know, I think about uh, the, the Apostle Paul whose desire, even though he was given special revelation from the Lord, his desire was that I may know Him. He, he had an attitude that he wanted to continue to seek more of Christ. And I hope that this morning as we uh, get into the day and even into this time of opening the Word of God, that we'd have an understanding that, you know, today isn't about the preacher that's standing here. It's not about the fellowships that we enjoy, although we should enjoy that. It's not about simply attending here. It's about, it's about a heart that seeks to know more of Christ, to, to seek Christ. And, and I hope that as we head into 2020, that a major, a major goal that you have this year is that you will become a greater seeker of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you would become a greater, uh, have a greater longing for Him. A, a greater understanding that you want to see Him in, in, even in the midst of the busyness of our time. You know, you know sometimes 
sometimes we forget that really life is a pursuit of God. A pursuit of Him. A pursuit of more of Him. And, and I, I think about this, that, that we need to have a mindset that seeking God is greater than religious activity. You know, we can do all of the activities of the Christian life. Uh, we, could, we could put a list together of things that we think a Christian should do each day. But all of that should be, should be uh, underneath the, the major goal of really seeking Christ and putting Him first in our lives. And so we see here two characters that we're going to learn from, uh, two, character, uh, two characters that teach us about seeking Christ. And so we see here that many missed God when they were focused on their religious activity. They, they missed God in the midst of all of the busyness of life, and yet we learn about two that sought Him. And so really as we think about the whole book of Luke, we see that the, the last time we were here, we, we saw the shepherds, and really they sought God through priority. Remember, we learned the fact that they got the announcement and they made haste to go, right? So they sought God with priority. They were seekers with priority. And this morning we're going to learn about two seekers, Simeon who sought with patience and then Anna who sought with persistence. So we're going to pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we, uh, as we get into the Word of God this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you again as we, um, Lord, have, have read and heard your Word, that, Lord, we indeed have the precious words of God. I thank you, dear God, that, Lord, we, we don't come for, for a little talk here this morning. Uh, rather, we're here because we have an eternal book, a living book that we need to hear to be able to live by. And, and Father, thank you, dear God, that your word is not limited by the limited ability of any speaker. But, Father, through your spirit and through your help, we can understand and make application for our lives. And, and Father, truly, the, the goal of all of that is that we may know you, that we might seek you. And so, Lord, as we uh, make these applications today, I pray that as we learn, that, Lord, that will be the, the underpinning heart's desire of ours, is that we may know you, we may seek you, we may have more of you this year. And so we love you, we thank you for this morning, in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name, amen. And so, firstly, Simeon, as we have mentioned here, is, is, is found here in verse 25 to, to 35, we see Simeon, the patient seeker. Notice here with me in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. Notice it's waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And so we see this man who, uh, who is named Simeon. We, we see that he was around in Jerusalem. And he had an express purpose of waiting waiting for the coming Messiah. He was seeking. He, he was one who uh, understood some things, and in fact, specifically about him in verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, that's a pretty good incentive for him, isn't it? You know, he, he, we don't know really how old Simeon was. We don't know how long, the, uh, how long of a re revelation this was uh, to him specifically, but we do know this, that he was patiently waiting. That, that as he was looking to, to finally meet the one, the Savior, to finally meet Christ, to finally get to hold him in his hands, to get to see him with his own eyes, he was patient in his seeking. We see Simeon, the patient seeker. And, and Simeon, 
was one who longed for and sought after the consolation of Israel. See, this was a prophetic term about the Messiah that we find in Isaiah chapter 40. So he understood and knew some things of Christ. If we were to look at the, 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 um, the following verses in regard to that, what he knew about Christ, we know that he knew much about Christ. He knew that he was going to be the consolation of Israel. He knew that he was the, the, um, the anointed one. He was the Lord's Christ. He knew some things about Christ that was for his future, that he was going to be one that would, um, that would separate, one that would be for the rise and fall again of Israel, and he would be a sign spoken against. So he understood some things about the Lord Jesus. And, and, and you know, many times we know much about Christ, but many times, even with our knowledge of Him, we fail to patiently seek after Him. We, we see the times and we see how contrary uh, our times are to the truths about Christ. And sometimes we long in our day for His coming. And if we're not careful, rather than seeking after that patiently, waiting for His return and living accordingly, we have become impatient and start to live for the here and now. We start to live with the busyness and make do, and we forget to seek Christ patiently. And you know what we need a revival of today? We need a revival of patient seeking after Christ. You know, maybe there's a specific thing that you're seeking Christ for, and you know, it takes time at times to bear fruit as believers. You understand, even when you look at the parable of the grounds, that, that it's even in good ground, it's with patience that we bear fruit. And yet, one of the things that we have a premium of in our day is this thing of patience. See, we live in a day that we like instant. We like things to come easily. We like things to come, and if, if, if we get into a regimen of Bible reading, we just want it to happen automatically. When we pray, we want God to answer yesterday, not tomorrow. And sometimes we carry into this mentality we carry into our, our seeking after and longing for Christ. You see, it takes time to see God's work accomplished. It takes time for Christ to be formed in us. And, and you know, maybe some of you have uh, enlisted and, and this year you're looking at being discipled and you want to grow in Christ. And, and you know, the, the great goal of discipleship is that Christ be formed in you. But, you know, it takes a bit of work and travail. And it takes some patience to get to that place where, where you're, you're, you're seeing what God has given you. And Luke 8.15, again, I mentioned that, but that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. See, even as Simeon was patient for the first advent, we too must live patiently for the return of Christ. You know, some, one of the things that I think Sometimes we, uh, we, we are forgetful about or are impatient about is the fact that, that the rapture can come at any moment. You understand that we as a church, if you're a believer, then, then the rapture is an imminent thing. And we must look to that. And, and, and many times the Bible makes allusion to that about how we ought to live because of that. And, and, and Simeon, he, he didn't waste his time with peripheral things. He didn't waste his time uh, just being busy doing what others were doing. No, he was seeking for and understanding that Messiah was to come. And, and here in our day, we must look for the 
return of Christ. And in James 5.7, the Bible tells us, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. It says, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the fresh, precious fruit of the, of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. See, too many Christians have become impatient. Many can't patiently pray. Many can't patiently grow. Many can't patiently read. Many can't patiently study. Many can't patiently find the call for their lives. Many can't wait to see God's Word fulfilled, God's promises uh, uh, seen in their lives. And, and, and let's not forget, sometimes we want it in our timing, but ultimately it's God's timing that we must look to. And so we see Simeon who was a patient seeker. Notice a couple of things, uh, a couple of ways Simeon was patiently seeking. Firstly, he was patient through devotion. About Simeon, the Bible says about uh, about him, he, we see the same man was just and devout. Th this, this meant that he was devoted. He was taking hold. He, he was committed. You know, you can't patiently seek after God if you're not in it for the long haul. If you're not in it to, if you're not holding on to Him. And Simeon was devoted because he believed that God could do what he said he could do. Uh, he, he understood some things about Christ, he understood and trusted that the thing that the Holy Ghost had revealed unto him was going to be. And so he was a patient seeker. You know what I find usually at this time, and, and I've, I've been suffering a little bit about, um, you know, a bit of FOMO this week. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. You know, I look around Australia, everyone else is having a youth camp, and this year we're not having a youth camp. feels weird for me. And I've been, honestly, I've been sort of like, oh, maybe we should have had youth camp. But all of, all of our staff are like, no, no, you made the right decision, Pastor. I'm glad we had a busy time. All right, but um, what I've observed over the years, you know, especially for our young people who've made decisions for God, is that they, although they've made good decisions at camp, they haven't always had the patience to see, see it out. They haven't always had the patience to, to wait it out and, and that's why so often every year they're actually making the same choices over and over again. They're back to square one because they're not patient seekers of Christ. They're not trusting in the thing that he, what he says he will do. See, when you trust someone, you stay. You think about Ruth and Naomi. Remember the situation there? Naomi was, was embittered by the, the circumstance that she faced. She was to return to her own country. She had lost her husband. She had lost her sons, the one who was a husband of Ruth. And yet when, when Naomi said, leave me, Ruth stuck. You know why? She, she trusted something about the God of Naomi. And, and so patient through devotion. I wonder how devoted you are to Christ. I wonder when it push comes to shove, as you wait and wait for His answer, as you wait and wait for what you're seeking Him for, as you wait and wait for those things of the Christian life, I wonder if you're devoted. You see, He was patient through devotion. Secondly, really related to this, He was patient through promises. Notice verse 25 again. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And we understand there that, that He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, there was something revealed to Him 
in verse 26, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. But we, we see that he understood some of the promises of God. He understood those things that applied to him. He understood those things that he could hold on to during times where he felt like he wasn't going to see what was promised him. He understood the power of the promises of God. And, and, and listen, don't grow tired of hearing again and again the, the promises that God has given you. Don't grow tired of turning to those at times where you feel like it's never going to happen. Don't grow tired of the times where, where you know, it, it just circumstances seem to tell you that it's never going to occur in your life. And yet the very, you have the very precious promises of God to hold on to. And here, Simeon understood he was patient through promises. He knew how to listen to the Holy Ghost and the promises that were given him. And, and Simeon knew the scripture, Scriptures, but, but he also had the Holy Ghost to show him. You see, the Holy Ghost, the, the building blocks of the Spirit of truth, is the truth that He will guide you to. You know, the reason why many of you will go through this year, and the reason why many of you will, will, will flounder at times, many of us, at the promises of God is, is maybe one, firstly, you don't know them. Or secondly, maybe you're grieving the Holy Ghost who, who is hindered at reminding you about those promises. See, with Simeon, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. That means he had, he had access to the Holy Ghost. That means that he didn't have any, anything between him and his Savior. And he understood some things about Christ and therefore he was patient through promises. You know, really what that speaks about is patience through hope. He had real hope. You know, sometimes we have false hope. Sometimes we have hopes based on our feeling. And you know what the saying is, feelings come and go. They, they shift. Feelings quickly become other feelings. And, and sometimes we base our hope on what we feel. Sometimes we base our hope on the general circumstance of our lives. And we feel despair because we don't seem to have hope now. We've lost it. And yet, notice with me again about Simeon's patience through hope. Uh, notice verses 27 to 32. He came by the Spirit into the temple, which means that the Spirit led him there. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. And notice what he says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Notice what he says, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which he says, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. And, and you know, he was speaking about the great hope of Israel here, but really he was exercising patience through hope. You know what his hope was founded on? It was, it was founded on the sure word of God. And, and listen, today... You could, you, could, you could look at all of the other things that we had aforementioned. They, they'll all change. But the Word of God is settled in heaven. The, the Word of God we can trust. In fact, when, when Peter was recounting the time that he had uh, on, the, on, the, um, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he, he looked at that and he said, you know, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He was referring to the very words of God and he's saying, you know, my experience, as great as it was, isn't where, where I, can, 
I can find sure, sure footing about the steps that I take. No, I have a more sure word. And he was speaking about the word of God. And listen, you can tell me all of your experiences. You can tell me all of the things that you've been through. And you could somehow, in, uh, through God's leading, make maybe informed decisions about that. But, but, but nothing will ever replace the surety and the sureness that you can garner and the hope that you can gain from the very words of God. That's why, you know, when you get around and you go through, uh, sometimes go through trials and, and, or you, you sit with people that go through trials, you know, the great hope that you can give people it is not your comforting hand, and although that, that is helpful, it's not that through other means you can share the Word of God with them and help them understand that they have a sure Word that they can rely on. That the hope that you can found on the Lord Jesus isn't fleeting, it's unchanging as He is unchanging. You see, His hope was found in the promises and the looking to those promises. See, biblical hope is not founded on a feeling of better days. It's not, it's not founded on, uh, on, on anything else but an expectation, a guarantee of knowing that God will do what He says He will do. See, many stop seeking God because they don't patiently hope in Him. We sometimes forget, again, that God has, in ti- has His timing and we will, He will always keep His word. In Romans 15, 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You notice that theme again, that, that partnership between the Holy Ghost and hope. You know, can I, can I encourage you about something? If you want a year that, that you can grasp hope, then don't grieve the Holy Ghost. Don't quench Him this year. Some of you, you're, some of us, we've, right now we're quenching Him. And yet we see Simeon, he was full of the Holy Ghost and he, he had hope. And understand that, that, you know, as we seek patiently, we seek through hope, but then he, he sought really, he was patient through knowledge, lastly. Notice verse 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them. And said unto Mary his mother, and so again, Simeon knew some things. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. So remember that the Lord Jesus, he was a stumbling block to the Jews. There were those who stumbled. There were those who did not believe that. There were those who rejected him. So he understood, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Remember later on in the life of Jesus, uh, one, one minute they were singing His praises as He entered into the city, laying palm leaves on the ground. And then the very, just the very next few days, they were shouting, crucify Him, crucify Him. And they, He understood some things about Christ. He had some knowledge. And so, really, He was patient through knowledge. He says in verse 35, Yea, a word shall pierce through thine own soul also. Remember uh, that at the end that Mary was there at the crucifixion. That, that, that things said and she understood later that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so there was patience through knowledge. He, he, Simeon knew some things about Christ. And Simeon as a seeker, 
he knew some things. As he patiently waited for the consolation of Israel, no doubt he began to understand more. And, and listen, you know, the Christian life, it's a long-term deal. Actually, the Christian life, we understand it's eternal, right? We can't lose your salvation. But, but understand this, that in this life even, it's a long-term deal. You know, you don't overnight come to know Christ. You come to know Him as your Savior, but you get to know Him over the course of time. The, the longer you seek Him, the more you'll know about Him. The, the longer you patiently uh, wait upon His promises, the more you understand how precious His promises are. And you start to know more. That's why I think, again, the Apostle Paul in his desire there, that I may know Him. He understood some things already about Christ, but, but his longing was still that I may know Him. And, and I, I love the fact that the Lord Jesus, you know, He wasn't one that was not to be found. In fact, he was the one that said, if you seek, you'll find. Uh, if, you, if you seek me, I will be found of you. In Jeremiah 29, 13, the Bible says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There again, there is again, it's devotion. It's commitment. You know, many times I think we, we begin to seek a little bit of Christ, but then we grow impatient. How come my life hasn't changed? How come I'm still putting up with the same attitudes? How come I'm still... Well, growth takes time. And seeking patiently. See, study, learning, knowing. They're, they're all a reward in itself, but you know, all of them come with patience. And so Simeon, in the midst of all of the hustle and bustle of the city, Simeon's the first one we see. We, we see Simeon, the patient seeker. But then notice with me Anna. Look at verse 36. Look at verse 36. And there was one Anna, okay, a prophetess. That's interesting. The daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asa. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And notice about Anna here, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. So she didn't have it the best. She, she was a widow, and, and widows in those days, uh, and even now, they're amongst the neediest of our society, aren't they? And so we see Anna had her own circumstances to deal with. She was a widow uh, for many years, eight, uh, four score and, and four years, 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And I love how, how finally after their seeking, they see Christ, the joy that they both shared, the, the joy that, that Simeon had, but the joy that, um, that Anna had. And, and, you know, we understand that when we come to seek Christ and we get, we get to a stage of understanding more about him, that brings joy. And so she had joy. She thanked but notice this again, and spake of him to all them, them that looked for redemption in, in Jerusalem. And so she, she spoke up about certain things. And we see Anna, she was the persistent seeker. She, she was always at the temple. And again, if you bear in mind what I said at the beginning, the temple was a place where God dwelt. And, and she figured, I guess, 
that if there was anywhere where she was going to see Christ, it was going to be somewhere near the temple. Somewhere where, where there was already a pattern and a promise of God's dwelling there. And so she was the persistent seeker. She was a prophetess, a widow, someone who could have easily been at the temple to uh, perhaps simply beg and, and get gain. Her, uh, her senses, though, were for the Lord. Her, her, her motive as she went about and her sensitivity was that she would be with Christ. And in her lot in life, she was found seeking for Christ. See, Anna represents the seeker who was persistent. And it's an admirable thing to persist uh, through challenges and obstacles. You know, you, you marvel at people who have great endurance. You know, you look at people who run the marathon and you think, boy, I could never do that. Some of you are like, boy, I, will, I don't even want to do that. <laughs> you look at the pain and anguish and all of the training that they have to put themselves through, but we marvel and we, we, uh, we, we look at their achievements and we think that's, the, that's a great characteristic. But we marvel at those who endure through hardships and you, you, you look at that and you give praise for, uh, for what they go through and how they went through it. And so we see in Anna an admirable trait of persistency. Firstly, she was persistent through her personal circumstance. We read about it already. She was not only a prophetess, but she was a widow for many, many years. She was a widow. She was someone who in the, the view of society was one of the neediest people around. God, God had a soft spot for widows, didn't He? The Bible tells us in James 1.27, pure religion and undefiled is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. We know that even in the Old Testament economy that many times God made provision for those who were needy, particularly widows, to glean, to, to be able to, to supply for their need through the, through the civics of, their, of the people of Israel. So we understand God's heart for the widows, but, but this was indeed a personal circumstance. And I don't know what personal circumstance you face today. I don't know if you've received bad news already as you've started 2020. I don't know if you're, you're struggling and there's a struggle in your life that's real and, and you're going through some things, even unknowns to those closest to you. But, you know, despite of her personal circumstances, Anna continued to seek. You know, sometimes we make excuse for ourselves when we go through hardships to stop looking to Christ. And, you know, we can look at that and it's like, that's counterproductive, isn't it, Pastor? Yeah, it is. You know, I, often I see those who go through trials they drop everything about God. They suddenly point at God like He was never there. Like somehow He's to blame. Like somehow all of their loss, all of their trials, all of their... And, and, and yet, we see Anna here who in the economy of that day would have been one of the poorest. One of those most hard hit. And yet in her personal circumstance, she continued. You know, this, this didn't stop Anna from seeking Christ and you know, many are hindered by their obstacles. I think about the, the story of the lame man at the pool of, of, uh, of Bethesda. And you remember the Lord Jesus walks up to him. And you remember the question that the Lord Jesus asked him? Anyone? Wilt thou be made whole? 
said, will thou be made whole? Now, that's a question that's a, a yes or no question. And yet, what, what happened with the lame man was he started to give, but sir, I have no man. No man can bring me down to the pool. And here's what I'm trying to illustrate to you. Many times we use our hindrances and our obstacles as, as the, our excuse to not follow or, be, or, or take hold of Christ. You know, Jesus was right there. All, all he needed to do was, yes, I will be made whole. And, and yet he came through with every excuse he had about that. And we know that Jesus was gracious and still healed him. But we understand this about, we understand that about Christ. But many times we do ourselves a disservice by stopping ourselves, hindering ourselves, when really Christ is right there. He, he wants to be sought. He, he, he wants to be, He wants to, you to rejoice in Him. And, and many times we, uh, we understand that God even allows these circumstances as a way to get us to seek Him. See, the Bible tells us in Hosea 5.15, I will go and return to my place. He says, till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction, they will seek me early. This was the, the Lord speaking about His people. He's saying, I allowed affliction. I allowed some circumstances that were difficult. I allowed circumstances that were hurtful. And, and you know, you, you've probably been looking around in our time and I mentioned again as we prayed about the, the fires that are around Australia and our hearts go to our countrymen about their, their properties and their loss and, and even to that, the family overnight who lost a dad, who lost a friend. We, we understand the, the, the circumstance and the seriousness of it. But, but have you found, if you've been sensitive, been talking to people, that they're more open to talk about God right now? than at other times. There's a video circulating around of, of those that, uh, of a group that's been going around showing videos about the fires, about people who previously had said that they were atheists or people who had previously said that they don't believe in God or they're not religious, and yet right there they were praying. How many times have we heard that? Probably in my recollection more than any other time that I've lived here in this great nation. People are saying, oh, I'm praying. You know why? The affliction causes people to seek God in their affliction. And, and, and we see Anna was that way in such a case. But then, you know, we see that she was not only persistent in her personal circumstance, she was persistent in the right place. But we see in verse 36 again, there she was, Anna, she was of great age, she was a widow, and we understand that she never left the temple. She was there all the time. Now, she was a widow about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, in verse 37. Which departed not from the temple. She was in the right place. You know what that place is? It's a place that's close to God. You know how, how you can persistently seek God? Be in a place where you're close be in place in your life where you're close to God. Hey, listen, you should guard jealously your closeness to God. You should guard, uh, guard with great, great effort 
your closeness. In fact, if anything comes between you and God and your closeness to God, you should carefully think how to remove that thing. Some of you young people, you're not close to God because you have the wrong friends. They've drawn you away from God. Some, some of you, you've allowed the, the busyness of your workload to draw you away. You have an imbalance in your life. And you need to guard jealously because, you know, the, the right place to persist is where Anna found herself right there near the dwelling place of God. And really pictured for us is just a closeness to God. Be persistent in the right place. She was close to God's presence. Are you close? How's your closeness with God? Now, do, do, you, do you every morning get up and, and start your day drawing close to God? In those moments where you're feeling a bit down and out, do, do you know how to get to God? Do you know what to say? Do you know how to pray? Or is it awkward because it's been a while? You need to be persistent in the right place. We see about Anna, she was persistent to serve God. Notice what, what the Bible says, verse 37 again, but served God. So she was in the right place, but she served God. But notice how she did, did this with fastings and prayers night and day. So she served God persistently, and yet it was through fasting. Fasting is going without food or other necessary things in order to seek God. Prayer is simply speaking to God or seeking God, perhaps for an answer. And many times those two things are paired up in, in, um, in, in seeking God. We see in Matthew 17, 21, how be it, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And we, we don't quite know the context there, but there were certain things that the disciples couldn't do. They couldn't cast out devils from certain people. And, and, and they went to... Uh, the Lord Jesus says, how come we can't do this thing? And here it, it was, it was because they needed to, it only could come through prayer and fasting. And really what we apply this to is, is, is often, and I hope that we're firstly applying this for others, but so that others might be delivered. You know, one of the reasons why we ought to seek God is for others. We ought to seek God for others. You know, there's many even in this room who are going through something and you need to seek God for them. But you know how you're going to seek God effectively? By serving Him through prayers and fasting. You know, maybe you have a, a loved one that you're concerned about. Maybe their soul, maybe their, their, uh, their, their path, the way they're going is, is, is concerning and you see the destruction ahead. You need them delivered. Then I want to say to you, you need to pray and fast. You know, we, we, don't, we don't take our seeking seriously enough at times. We, we, we live in a time where, where pleasure is everything. If we're not careful, we can buy into that and, and allow that to direct our lives. And so what happens here as we look at that is, is Anna was serving God through prayer and fasting. And, and prayer and fasting comes by, it, it helps deliver others. In Psalm 35, 13, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayers returned into mine own bosom. And here the psalmist was facing great trials and I wonder if you're facing some trials in your life right now. And yet, the Bible says the way to seek God about that is by serving Him through prayer and fasting. We see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. 
He was praying and fasting again. You know what for? Seeking for greater understanding. You know, some of you, you're, you're, you're confused or unclear about what 2020 holds, and you're trying to seek God for some understanding, some direction, some, some uh, what, what, what choice to make, what direction to take. And I want to encourage you about this then. You know, if you're going to get some greater understanding and clarity from the Lord, you're going to need to do what Daniel did. You need to do what Anna did. You need to pray and fast. Take some time. Take a day. Take two days. Take three days. Just, just get alone with God and pray and fast. And we see Anna serve God that way. But then lastly and really quickly, she was persistent to share the good news. Notice verse 37. She served God with prayers and fastings night and day. In verse 38, and she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She, she understood that the reason why people were there was somewhat they were looking for some atonement. They were looking to have a relationship with God. They, they needed redemption. And, and in her seeking, she was found speaking. In her seeking, she was found speaking. She, she pointed to the one that could save. This was really driven by her seeking and finding Christ. And, and by the way, can I just say, that if you truly know Christ, then you have the greatest person and the greatest news to share to anyone. You know, the, 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 the world is looking for a hope. And that hope can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and listen, you could go around and you could share comforting words. You can share little cute sayings that might bring a smile to a person's face. But the, the thing that ought to come out of your mouths as believers is, is a is an instant desire and an instant news to share about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Anna, as she looked around, she was persistent to share the good news. She, she pointed to the one that could save, but then we see that she was, she was thankful. She was grateful and then vocal. You know, often we don't seek the welfare of others because we haven't fully comprehended the depth of what was given us. You know, to whom much is forgiven. And, and don't forget that, church. Don't forget as you think about Christ that, that He's forgiven you much. He, there, we have a great Savior who's given us a great salvation. And, and, and listen, I wonder when the last time you were grateful for that or you just sit here and you're cold as cold can be. I wonder if you're here this morning and... and, and it's been a while since you've actually thanked God for the, for the good news of the salvation that you have. And yet, she, here she was in her personal circumstance. She was a persistent seeker. She didn't allow the, the, the hardship that she was facing. She, she, didn't, she didn't make excuse for not being close to God. She, she was there serving God, seeking Him through prayers and fasting. And there she was. There she was, just speaking of the Lord. And church, I wonder if you'd be that kind of seeker this year. I wonder if you'd just, just go beyond just the person who sits at the pew, who doesn't even bother to open their Bible, and you just sort of sit around and you sort of just turn up. And yeah, you have religious activity. But listen, seeking God is greater 
than religious activity. So all of that will flow if you truly just make it a priority to seek God patiently, to seek God persistently. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to, to open your word. And Father, I, I truly am thankful, dear God, for the great salvation that you've given me. Thank you that, Lord, many years ago, someone shared to me the, the great news of the gospel of Christ. And thank you, dear God, that, Lord, over the course of, Lord, my life, you've been gracious, you've been faithful. And, and Father, I'm be the first to admit that many times I haven't sought you like these two. And yet, Lord, you're gracious. And Father, I believe today that you have us to get back to a place of truly seeking you. That, Lord, you would help us to put away any misgivings. Uh, Lord, anything that might be a hindrance to, Lord, our seeking after you. And Lord, help us to make that our goal. Lord, help us to be patient if we've lost patience. Help us to persist even through hardships and challenges in our lives. And I pray, dear God, that we would be that type of seeker that we've learned about today. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, the piano can begin to play. We're going to have a time of invitation.